we know that we need to speak to that villain type state that many of our customers may be in, meaning like they are struggling. They're trying to get out of a pain, a problem, kind of like a unique story where we're trying to transform our customers or audience from a villain to a hero. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am excited to be joined by Dallin Need, the creator of the Story Supply Method and the CEO of Content Supply. Hi there, Dalhum, and welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Gillian? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing amazing. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So today we are going to be talking all about a brand story, what exactly that is, how you can create one, how you can use it to market your business. Dallin is an expert at creating a brand story and just this whole process. So I'm really excited to be sharing his expertise with you guys today. So Dallin, can you start out by just telling us a little bit about the work that you do? Totally. Well, I am a big believer in someone's ability to transform lives and their own through the power of messaging and building a brand that is meaningful. And the way that I do that is is I help entrepreneurs and businesses create authentic and results-driven media so that way they can share that message, their message with the world and and also their vision with the world as well. Because And with that too, I mean, I'm a big believer in someone's ability to be a visionary and build the vision they have for their life and business. And the best way to do that is through understanding how to talk about what you do in a clear way and invite people into that, that shared purpose. And the reason why content supply exists is content is the vehicle by which you can get your message out to the world. We all know Gillian is a perfect example of this with video on YouTube and other platforms, you know, podcast. And I believe we all have a unique message that is unique because we all live different lives and we all have different perspectives and stories to share. And that by understanding how to talk about what we do and why we do it in our business in a simple yet powerful way, we can attract the right customers and then repel the wrong ones and ultimately grow our business as a result. Awesome. So that is obviously just a very meaningful thing for you to be working on. And this can have such a big impact on the lives of business owners, the lives of entrepreneurs. So tell us a little bit about how this works. What exactly is a brand story and why might we need one? How can it help us market our businesses? Great question. Well, it's kind of like what I said a little bit as far as giving us the language and words to know how to talk about what what we do in our business. Because if you think about when you show up to like a networking event or a virtual mm-hmm. event right now, nowadays a little bit, where people are like, so what do you do? You know, it's that like easy small talk conversation starter that we all love to mm-hmm. hear and, and use. And oftentimes we respond with something fairly generic, right? Be like, I'm mm-hmm. a marketer or I'm a YouTuber or I'm a coach. And when you say that, you don't really stand out. You don't really yeah. attract people and it's it's, It's one of those things where when we can know how to simply in like a one to two sentence statement, 
talk about what we do. And, and I call that the one message, the one message you need to attract or repel customers to get them to listen. When we know how to talk about what we do in a way that's so simple and easy for anyone to understand, even hopefully my four-year-old at home, I've got a four-year-old boy, <laughs> you know, we think about kids, right? We, we have to talk so simply to them because they're still learning a language. And we have customers from all different backgrounds. And so it's important to use simple language and then do so in a way that can people can identify with to be like, yeah, that's for me or it's not for me, but I know someone who could benefit. You talk about those uncomfortable networking events and I can immediately relate to that. I just remember so going to so many networking events early on in my business and having it be so uncomfortable and doing exactly what you said, like using just a really like simple term to describe what I do or what my company does. And really the reason why I kept it so simple, so generic was because I was not very clear myself on what that real value was, what set me apart from my competition, all those different aspects. And so I just wanted to keep it simple so that I didn't, I don't know, put myself in a corner or say something that I didn't really mean to say. And so I was just like, let's just keep the simple. Yeah. And you know, and you think about this too, how many times have we changed maybe how we've talked about what we do in oh. those networking situations? <laughs> it's like, I'm a marketer one day, I'm a business owner the other day. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're, it's based on like the, who you're talking to, if it's family, friends, you mm -hmm. know, who may not be in that world. Yeah. But there's a lot of power with using a repeatable message that uh, you can just memorize and use every single time you mm -hmm. talk to people, no matter what background they're from. Yeah, that is true. I still struggle with that part to this day. I remember in those early days, it was like a major pivot each time. Like today I'm describing <laughs> myself as this, tomorrow I'm describing myself as this, like every single day. These days it's more like kind of what you were just describing, kind of depending on who I'm talking to. So my role is actually staying the same. I'm not reinventing myself every day, right? But still to someone who does has no idea about what I do, I'll just be like, I'm a business owner. You know, like let's keep this really simple. <laughs> and then to someone who has a little bit more idea about like business or marketing or something, I'll describe it a little bit more. So talk to us about how we can, what, what can we do to come up with this one message, this one way we can describe ourselves to every single person? Yeah, it really begins with, with anything in your business is understanding who your customer is. And really with a story as that emphasis, right? Like in any story, there's a main character, there's the hero, there's the villain. And so when we can understand those two types of characters, the hero and the villain, Oftentimes, we know that we need to speak to that villain type state that many of our customers may be in, meaning like they are struggling. They're trying to get out of a pain, a problem. And it's, it's kind of like a unique story where we're trying to transform our customers or audience from a villain character, not that they're evil or bad, but a villain type situation and a mindset uh, and a way of thinking to a hero type mindset. And so I often call that belief transformation. It's this journey that they have to go on to transform their beliefs in themselves, their environment. But yeah, to talk about what you do in like a one to two sentence, simple statement, understanding your customer, but then getting really clear and just having one, one quick answer for what the problem is that your customer has, just pick one problem, what the solution is to that, to that problem, and then what the payoff is. So that payoff is often like the end result, like what their life will look like at the end of this journey when they're a hero. And so when you have both of the, like all three of those things written out and just with a simple statement, then it's putting that together into that one to two sentence statement that you can use and it becomes your one message. You just repeat it every single time people talk to you. 
So it sounds so simple. So why, what do you think holds people back from just doing exactly that? Just like picking the one person, picking the one problem, picking the one solution, that one impact, you know, what, what gets in the way? <laughs> We have too many ideas. Uh, I'll be the first to raise my hand that like I'm and I my wife will tell you too. like you have yeah. way too many ideas. You wake up in the middle of the night, jot things down. <laughs> and because we have Same. too many ideas. Yeah, right. It's All like day, every day. Yeah, we, we feel problem. like there's like a list of 50 problems that we could talk about, you know, in this one mm -hmm. set, you know, this one to two sentence statement, this one message. But we need to be able to simplify it to just one problem, one solution. The nice thing is, is let's say we have multiple businesses or multiple products that call for different types of messaging, mm -hmm. then you can apply this, this process to these different businesses or these different products as it's relevant. But usually, I mean, if you think of even like a brand as big as say Apple, where they have probably so many products under the sun, but they can still have a clear message because their products support that problem, support that solution and support that payoff. Mm -hmm. um, and so oftentimes I always recommend just like, yeah, you maybe for messaging sake on your sales, your sales messaging, if you're writing a sales page or putting together a webinar, then you can do something specific to a product or a brand. But I would say for your overall vision is create just one message. And so it's just comes down to simplifying to know like, what is that one thing that like, if people resolve this one problem, then they can achieve that payoff. And, and the solution oftentimes is not the product itself that you offer, but it's the way that you help people transform and get results. Again, sounds so easy. Yeah, sounds right? easy. It's, so so it's let's see if we can right have now. an example maybe, okay? So let's yeah. take maybe someone who's kind of like me in my early stage of business. When I was running a digital marketing agency, so I was helping with people with like paid advertising. And so I helped people with a few different types of paid advertising. We could run Facebook ads, we could run Google ads, and we also did web design. And so that meant that there was several different products that provided several different solutions. And so while I could come up with a message for each of those, although I didn't because I didn't realize that I could create messages for individual products and a message for my business. I thought they had to be the same thing. So that was the beginning of my troubles. But I could have created pretty easily these messages for each product. But how so, for example, with web design, OK, my customer needs a website so that they can be visible online to their customers. And so I can provide this beautiful, professional looking website and then that will allow them to attract new customers. So here's here's my message for the web design. But then what kind of message could I create that could tie all of these different things together into my company's main message? I would begin with the end in mind and so begin with that payoff piece. So like with web design, digital marketing, paid advertising, you know, asking yourself like what is the ultimate just one vision, one achievement I'm looking to help my customers get to and achieve? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something as simple as grow your business, you know, like obviously people define that differently, but it usually looks like more sales, you know, mm -hmm. more, more customers. And so you can just start there simply say, okay, grow your business. Mm -hmm. That is the payoff. So then, okay, what with my type of customer, what is stopping them from growing their business? So picking that one problem, oftentimes it's, they think that marketing doesn't work for them because their marketing's fallen flat in the past. Paid ads didn't work. Maybe their website is just a black hole to mm -hmm. not converting customers or maybe they just you know it's a messaging problem right they don't know how to talk about what they do 
So getting clear on what that one message may be, and then you're like, okay, then what is the solution I provide that helps them resolve that problem and achieve that payoff? And uh, and oftentimes that that can look like like your unique method. Like let's say it's a Gillian Perkins method, you know, for for marketing. But then like your method becomes like your pre- like pre- I can't even say the word proprietary framework. There we go. Mm-hmm. It's like your yep. unique framework that you follow. That no matter if someone's creating. Uh, a website or digital marketing, you take them through the same exact process. And it, I mean, you think about, so my business, it's called Content Supply and our overarching framework, not that you can't have all these micro frameworks, but our overarching framework is something as simple as messaging, marketing, then medium. Mm-hmm. So in order for someone simple. to, yeah, super simple. And within that, like we have, you know, we have a video advertising agency but we also have story supply, which is our messaging framework. We have marketing supply, which is a marketing framework. And so it's getting clear on like, what is that journey that you need to take your customers on? And it's oftentimes can be turned into a framework. That framework can be turned into trainings, into an online course, maybe a YouTube series. So there's a lot of power with understanding that journey. And then, but yeah, that's that's a way to break it down. Uh, yeah, and there's a lot of power. That last business. There is a lot of power in creating those frameworks like you were just talking about. Right now we're running this program, this live program called Validate, where we're guiding new business owners or people who just have business ideas to test their business idea, get it off the ground, get their first sales. And right now this week, what we're actually working on is their proprietary method. So what is that like three-step process that they guide their customers through or the three steps they teach their students that get them the result? And it really, it makes it so easy for them to set themselves apart from the competition and have something unique while at the same time not trying to like invent something brand new that is like this new invention no one's ever heard of no one knows they want right so you're just telling them how you're getting them the solution but it's not this like again this like unique solution that no one is aware of that no one knows they want yeah and and don't overcomplicate it i mean the more you, you confuse or use like clever language with your frameworks with how you talk about what you do the more you'll like cause people just to turn away and and so it's yeah like it's you said really earlier, important like speaking to use the like same your, language. your three-year-old or your four-year-old can understand yeah. it like you don't need complicated language you just need to describe exactly what you do and how you do it yeah and i think that's why like honestly that's why i like for my brand name content supply i was like i want something so self-explanatory so that people don't have to guess how to spell it <laughs> you know like i think a lot of people try to get clever with their brand name because mm-hmm. they think that's makes all you know like nike did it you know like nike wasn't like a household word google um, google yeah like that's a made-up word uh, so something that's easy to spell like you know apple is a great example of like <laughs> you know everyone knows what an a apple you is know. for apple yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you learn it from mm-hmm. from step one so like don't overcomplicate it and, and even like i think it's tricky sometimes where i've realized this with even just something as like a website uh domain name is people maybe use their name and their name may not be the easiest to spell right off the bat. Unless we it's like John Smith. This episode, yeah. Yeah, like like John Smith, then maybe someone spells it without an H because that's how they're used to John. So like, you know, how to simplify things as easy as possible. And there's, some, there's nothing wrong with personal branding by all means, mm-hmm. right? Like we all need a personal brand, but it's, yeah, just simplifying it for sure. 
For sure. So let me touch, go go back to something for a minute that you mentioned when you were kind of describing what I could have used as my marketing message. So when you're talking about the, the problem that you help people overcome, the problem you mentioned, let me see if I can remember here, you said maybe they didn't feel like marketing worked for them, okay? What do you think about talking about overcoming problems that people think are the problem versus what the problem actually is? So that problem that you mentioned, it's very much a problem that someone might think is the problem, but it's not true, right? And so we'd be helping people overcome that, that theoretical objection, right? That problem that they think exists that doesn't really exist. Whereas I would have said that the problem was you need to get visible. Nobody knows you exist. They can't buy from you if you don't know you exist. We need to get you a website. We need to get you Facebook ads so that you can get more visible. And so I would have said, we need to solve this problem of you not being visible and get you that solution of visibility. But that's not the problem that they were aware of. Should I focus my marketing on trying to make them aware of the real problem and solve the real problem? Or should I speak to the problem that they think is the problem a mix of both to be honest i think there's there's a difference in different types of audience members who are problem aware and solution aware Mm -hmm. when they're problem aware that means they you're helping them become aware of that problem that they think they have and it may be you know one part of their their problem but maybe not the the whole you know the whole uh experience of it but those who are solution aware recognize they have a problem. So they recognize like for you, right? It's they recognize that they're not visible enough. They need to show up online. And so they're looking for solutions out there that can help them resolve that. And that means that they're just further along in the education that needs to be provided for a lot of the content that goes on social media for free or mm-hmm. for paid advertising. But yeah, it's understanding what kind of customer do you need to speak to and with with any kind of messaging piece, it's oftentimes you need to use the language and address the problems that uh, your customers know they have or are familiar with mm-hmm. before you start talking about about the problem that they actually have. That comes with further education, deeper yeah. into the sales funnel and their experience. So what I'm hearing you say is you need to start by really listening to your customer, getting to know your customer and figuring out where they are. And then you can figure out what you need to say to them based on where they are. So like if they think that's the problem, you need to address that they think that's the problem and educate them about what the real problem is. But if they don't even think that's the problem, then you know you can educate them about what, you know that there is a problem and what the problem is. So just kind of like where they are in, in that journey. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you've hinted a couple times at Story Supply. Can you tell us a little bit about that framework and how that works? Yeah, totally. So Story Supply, is, it's a messaging framework. It helps you talk about what you do and why you do it in your business. And what the framework looks like is it comes in a series of quick stages. One, it's definitely early on, you gotta do some customer research. Oftentimes people may be growing their business slowly, you know, or in some way, uh, because they're attracting the same type of customer, but they still don't really know too much about their customer. It may just just come naturally through referrals and whatnot. And so interact with them and even just interview them, figure out like what are their pain points they'll probably share 20 with you, but then it's like, how can we simplify this down into uh, a few, right? And they, that can end up going in your sales page, but but interacting with your customer and especially the customer that you actually want to serve. Sometimes people get into their business and end up serving the customers they don't really feel called to serve. They, they're not in love with them like they should be. So as you interact with your customer, 
then some of the main stages of story supply come in with first developing your one message that we talked about earlier. And the three parts of your one message is the payoff, the problem, and the solution. Mm-hmm. And then another piece, which we talked about a little bit earlier, right, is the brand story. That's another stage. And the brand story deals with some some other parts. So there's five parts to your brand story, and that is people. So who do you serve? Your customer. Mm-hmm. Perspective. So what belief do they need to create to know that what you offer is the solution to their problem? And then mm. problem is another P. And then a plan. So mm-hmm. what plan do they need to follow? That often looks like that three-step framework that's developed. And then you need to have, uh, I'm trying to remember, there's payoff is another one, right? It's that end result mm-hmm. that they need to achieve. And then I'm totally, sp- did, I, did I hit five P's? I think that may have been five already. I think, <laughs> yeah. that, I think that was five. I, I just want to make sure. Five. Yeah. Plan, perspective, problem, people. Yep, got it. If I can count right. <laughs> so yeah, addressing those five P's is important because it gives you language to know how to talk about your customers no matter what stage they are in their journey. And maybe they have gone through each stage and they're at the payoff experiencing it with you. And then you can have opportunities to sell them on other products. But it will really guide your ability to create better products for your customers. And then from that is is a unified message. So that's that's another aspect of story supply. And that is getting your team, yourself, and your customers to understand how to talk about what you do. Oftentimes, if you go to interview, say, if you have a team member or team members, you ask them, hey, what does our company do? They're going to probably give you a different answer, right? Than mm-hmm. say a customer or yourself. You're like, oh, that's not quite right. Uh, and so you're going to need to help them understand how to memorize and actually talk about your one message. And so the unified message, having some brand brand keywords that theme all your marketing and brand decisions. And so there's an exercise on that. And and so, yeah, those are the main pieces of, of messaging with Story Supply. The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment, like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship, and accountability, then visit startupsociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode. So you talked about having that one message and having your brand story. Which one do you typically recommend that people create first? I would say the brand story because oftentimes you simply just pull from what you learned in that brand story workshop and put mm-hmm. it into your one message. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved what you were saying about, about starting with talking to your customers and doing those interviews. As I mentioned, we're running this program called Validate right now. And we started with having the members do those sessions. And so many of them were so, because these are like, remember, these are brand new business owners or maybe not even quite business owners yet. They're just getting started. They just have an idea. And they were so hesitant to reach out and talk to them. Like, I don't have a product yet. I don't know what I'm selling, you know? And I would just encourage them. You know, we had a framework that we guided them through. I was like, you are not going to regret this. You are going to learn so much through this process. 
And so now a couple of weeks later, most of them have completed those sessions and just like the amazing feedback we're getting back from them about how much they learned, how much they ended up enjoying them, how valuable they found them, how effectively it helped them craft their brand message. It's just so, so validating to the idea of doing this market research, totally. even when you are new. And now I do want to preface that by saying, I said something like they don't have a product yet. I don't mean they didn't know what their product was. They had decided what they were going to sell. They just hadn't created it yet. And so they were worried they might get like questions, too many questions about their product. But we didn't really talk about the product at all in these, in these market research sessions. We focused it just on what are their target customers, desires, you know, what outcome are they looking for? What is standing in the way of getting that outcome? And why do they want that outcome? Just like you were just talking about. And so it allowed us to kind of separate ourselves from trying to sell the product at all and just get really deep in, like, what is the customer actually looking for? Totally. And oftentimes, especially in the coach or course creation consultant world, that story often is your own story. Like you're your mm -hmm. best case study, uh, case study, yeah. or maybe you have a customer who is, and just kind of think about them. Like, put that name, put your own name into that people category, and really review what your journey has been like. And oftentimes, kind of like a parent would do, right? Like Gillian, you and I are both parents, and so it, like as a parent, you often want to remove any obstacles your kid may experience based on you know what he was like oh when i was five or when i was 10 oh yeah you know like i got bullied this way and it's because of you know this xyz but that's through our own perspective and belief system that may not be 100 percent true for the different type of person that you know our, our customers so th so that's where it's like it's understanding the general framework and the journey but then adapting within those belief systems based on the type of customer but generally speaking it's important to definitely narrow down on you know that one problem that one solution that one yeah outcome. yeah we had a couple people when they were getting started with the market research interviews ask like well i at least used to be the person i'm targeting so could i use myself as one of my case as one of my uh, market research interviews and i say yes absolutely you know your experience is really valuable and you can definitely include yourself in that data but you need to get more data than just yourself so that you can kind of get that broader perspective and see how other people describe this problem the solution they're looking for why they want it because otherwise you're only going to you won't know for sure that your marketing is going to resonate with multiple people yeah exactly and you'll find common themes you know, like th there's for sure you can list tons of problems. You can address that through different types of content, but narrowing it down and simplifying it to just a few themes of what you find people are constantly talking about yeah. often becomes easier with more of your ideal customer who you interact with, but just spending that time with them because you're mm -hmm. going to be spending that time with them, whether it's now or later, you know, in some form. So <laughs> why not start yeah. now? Yeah, definitely. One thing that we found made it a little bit easier for people to narrow it down was actually to start by separating it instead. So putting pe the people they interviewed into a few groups or a few categories, creating a few different target customer profiles, and then just choosing one of them to target instead of trying to fit everyone they interviewed into one one profile. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a great point too. And it may be that you have men and women, you know, from different backgrounds, you know, but, but in your, your, your uh, customer profile. And so putting a name and putting a profile, you may need one or two um, mm -hmm. just to kind of get clear on the different types of people you're talking to. Yeah. 
So, so we've kind of talked about, you know, doing maybe this market research early on, creating your brand story, but when do you really think is the right time for someone to create this really fleshed out version of their brand story? Is that something you'd like to see someone do when they're in the ideation phase of their business before they've even started or kind of as they're getting off the ground, like develop it as they're working with their first customers or should they wait until they've worked with quite a few customers and they really know exactly, you know, they're like really confident about what they're doing. Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say it comes not at the first step because oftentimes your customer may change a little bit mm -hmm. as you're testing your product and you're starting to build your brand. But do it, I would say, do it really early on though. Don't wait for, you know, hundreds to thousands of customers plus. Oftentimes you won't attract that many until you get clear in your messaging. Right. Mm -hmm. So serve a few and kind of figure out like, oh, I'm serving similar types of customers. And, and that's really that validation. You know, you talk about the validation workshop you've been doing. That's really that validation stage, right, where you're making sure people yeah. actually pay for your mm -hmm. product. And when you see that, like, oh, these people are all kind of in a similar um, place in their business or their lives. And that's when you can really break down and, and figure out from your first, even just from your first case study uh, testimonial is review that person and use them as the hero in that brand story that you develop and the messaging you develop. One thing that really helped me to finally narrow it down and create a cohesive brand story was to give myself permission to not commit to it forever, but to be open to the idea that I'm going to iterate on this brand message. And so when I finally did that, then I was able to create something and I, I knew it probably wasn't what I was going to stick with forever, but I could create something. And that allowed me to start growing my business and start attracting more customers. And then I iterated from there to where we are today. But it was such a, a long and iterative process. It totally is. You know, it's and, and that's why it's important not to feel like, great, I'm done, you know, dust my hands off and let this is going to last for the next 40 years or something. You know, it, it is important to be willing to pivot and understand that you may want to be serving new types of customers or if you have different brands, like, you know, it's an exercise to keep revisiting because, you know, if you find your marketing's not working, then it's usually a messaging problem. And so if you go back to that, then you can review it and be good to go. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up about that iterative process is because in thinking about like, when should someone create their brand story? I think, you know, some people try to do it early on and struggle with it. And other people don't even try to do it early on because they just think oh, I'm not ready for that. I don't really know yet. So how could I, you know, how could I write this thing? But I like you said, you probably won't start attracting clients really successfully until you do have some sort of cohesive brand story, or at least it's going to become a lot easier once you do that. And so I, I do think that it is so important, like you said, to create it early on, even if it's the messy first draft of it. Yeah. And it will be messy. Think of it like you're writing a book or a movie script. You know, the first draft is never the final draft. And so be willing to go through multiple iterations, like you're saying, multiple drafts. Definitely. Okay, so now that we really understand exactly what a brand story is and even the, the basic framework that we can use to create it and what it should contain, now let's move on to one last topic here and talk about once someone has created this brand story, what exactly should they do with it? How can they use it in their marketing as they're like writing Facebook ads or they're planning a webinar or they're uh, planning their YouTube videos? You know, how can they use this brand story? Yeah, use it in all of your content, 
all your marketing efforts. And that's why like, you know, the content supply framework starts the messaging because then even if you, you have like a consolidated version of that brand story, the first draft will have like a massive brainstorm list of like, here's that 20, those 20 problems, knowing that they probably have some form of that. And the best part is, is like, yeah, you'll have one problem to focus on, but why not address some of those other problems that often exist as false beliefs or objections? Because when you can use those as hooks in your marketing messages, then it's going to be much easier to attract your audience uh, and the customers who actually want to pay you. And yeah, so it comes in all types of content and throughout all your marketing, whether it's paid advertising as written copy in your video ads, in your podcast episodes, you think about launching a podcast, your first episode could be about the vision you have for your business, you know, invite people in that shared purpose. And then the next one can be about the people that you're serving. The next one can be about the problem, you know, like you can break it apart and it can be covered in many different types of content. Your brand story will fit perfect in a webinar, in a workshop. Maybe you're doing a presentation for another business. You know, the, the list really goes, the blog articles, the list really goes on for the different ways that these messaging exercises can help with the marketing and content you put out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So what I'm understanding is it can help with everything. Can we like try to make this even more practical and like give the listeners an example of how they could use it? So like, let's say I'm going to launch my new product and going to be doing like an email marketing campaign. How would I actually take that written brand story that I've created and in somehow use it to better this email sequence I'm writing? Yeah, totally. I would recommend breaking apart in those five P's. I kind of hinted at it with the podcast launch breakdown, but with emails, you can address the problem early on. Oftentimes it's easier to attract people with speaking about the problem because the more they can see you understand their problem, they'll see you as the one with the solution. And so breaking down those five P's in a series of email emails that go out and that can really be born out of you know what is what messaging is required around that product because the more that they'll see like oh my gosh they understand me in the journey i am because they're describing the kind of person i am that people they're describing the problem they're describing like oh yeah i do kind of believe this system and i got to think differently about mm -hmm. this this perspective and then present them with the plan uh, and that's when you can start to start to infuse more of the sale to that product inside that phase. But yeah, you can break apart and have one P dedicated to one email. And so that way, and then you can have that like a teaser at the end of that email to be like, hey, tune into my next message where we're going to be talking about the plan you need to follow to be successful, to resolve this problem you're having. And so I would ever break it down like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great way to structure an email campaign. Would you say it's typically better to focus on like one P, one of these different components of your brand story per email, or to send a series of like five emails that each kind of walk someone through that entire brand story? Yeah, I think both. I would test both. Both. I mean, at the end of the day, like as long as you know the message uh, can resonate with the right audience, you know, especially those on your email list, then whether you put break it out in like one P for email or maybe you do like a quick, like almost all P's or maybe two of the five P's, right? In one email. I just, I, I think there's not like a written law as to like what may work better. It's mm -hmm. important just to kind of test to see like, hey, can I try infusing the people and the problem that they are experiencing in this one email? And there's power with that too, because then 
let's say you are talking about the people and the problem in one email, and then you use that that setup as an opportunity to add a testimonial or a case study inside the email as well that relates to the problem and the resolution of that problem with the past customer you've had. Great. We have a few questions from the Startup Society members we're going to get to in just a minute. But before we get to those, could you just real quick remind us what those five P's are? Totally. So the five P's of a brand story are people, problem, perspective, plan, and payoff. Okay. The one that I feel like I'm not quite 100% clear on is perspective. Describe that one again real quick. Yeah. So that's all about the beliefs someone has. So in order for someone to go on this journey and actually implement a plan and achieve that payoff, that outcome that they want, they need to believe oftentimes in themselves. And so there's that internal belief and perspective. There's an external belief, meaning like is my environment or my resources set up to help me be successful? And so, and within those, that perspective too, can be a mix of one or multiple objections that people mm. also have to like, hey, okay. I'm resisting this plan or I'm re resisting like solving this because I've had bad experiences in the past and I don't have the time. Mm. And so it's, it's all about a belief system. And so it's like a, a shift in belief. So like right now they believe totally. this, but they need to believe, they, right now they believe X, but they need to believe Y in order to want to buy the product. Right now they believe yeah. marketing doesn't work for them, but they need to believe that with the right marketing system, they can successfully attract customers. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay. and it's, how you said it too is powerful because there's, there's a model we follow with even how you can plan out content and messages that way is let's say you want to record a video and you first start off with like, what is the existing belief that is, is false? Maybe it's a myth. Maybe it's an objection that's keeping them from buying, you know, into this program or this product I offer. And then the exact opposite of that belief is what we need to create, right? If it's false, we want a true belief. So like, mm -hmm. if I don't have the time, then we need to create the belief that I do have the time, like you said, and how can we transform that belief, you know, in that perspective, it's telling a story. Oftentimes a case study, you know, another example, someone else who successfully followed that plan and was successful. So yeah, that's a, that's a great way, great example to break down. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Before we wrap this up, listen into to this question a Startup Society member asked during the live stream. This is a little bit separate from what we were talking about, but still a question about messaging. Um, Elmari asked, when your target audience is US and UK based, which English format should you use for all your content, US or UK English? And then this kind of like ties into a question that I get all the time, which is like, I'm trying to build my brand. I speak two different languages. Which one should I build it in? Do you have, so you can start with Elmari's specific question about UK versus US English. What should she do? But maybe touch on the other issue as well. Yeah. Understand who you're talking to when you're putting out a certain message. I mean, Paid advertising, you know, thankfully you can target specific mm -hmm. markets, whether it's UK or US, so that you can adjust your your ad copy. And even yeah. if you need to, your your video ad and your photo that way, if that's relevant. But it's important to test and, and to understand who you're speaking to. And yeah. and there's going to be a fusion, you know, but, but yeah, just understand who you're speaking to, the right people at the right time. Yeah. So I would say like you mentioned ads. There I do think really important to test different 
different language with different like ad sets, different audiences you're targeting with because it's like the very front of your funnel. So you're just trying to get people to get into your funnel. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking about once someone's in, instead of trying to separate and like talk to them in two different ways, what if you just talk to like yourself? Yeah. Like, you know, well, when you, yeah, li- you got to own your own podcast? brand voice at that point, too. Yeah. When yeah. you're listening to a podcast and someone has an accent, you're not like, oh, man, I wish they had the same <laughs> accent as me. No, you're like, wow, they have such a cool accent. And I'm thinking that happens the same when you're like writing an email or you get an email from someone. You just think like, oh, well, they said this in such an interesting way. You're not really turned off by the fact that they use slightly different terminology than you might have used. Yeah. And sometimes you do it for fun. The, the nice thing about that, there's UK English and US English, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, I mean, for fun, I've used whilst or whilst, you know? Okay. And like, you know, there's other words that are definitely specific. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, like wild, a specific whilst. word, yes. I thought yeah. you meant like you use this other this other <laughs> type of English called whilst. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I invented another yes, language. you use the word yeah. whilst. I also use the word whilst. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's not, a, you know, U.S. English. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be some variations, but when it's all said and done, you're not going to necessarily repel people because they're still technically reading and seeing language. And because it's in your brand voice, let's say you're UK-based and you speak, you know, the Queen's English, right? <laughs> you know, people should not be repelled from following you and your brand based on your unique ability to deliver a message. And that often comes in your own you know, version of English. It's the same thing, you know, in the States, right? Like if you grew up in the South versus Brooklyn, you know, you're going to have different ways of saying things and you can't, you shouldn't have to change how you talk just to attract a certain type of customer necessarily, right? Yeah. Like you want to own the unique part of you. And so that shouldn't make a huge difference, but yeah, you have the ability mm-hmm. to, t- to test for sure. I definitely agree. Yeah. I, first of all, it sounds like too much thinking to try to be a different yeah. person to every different customer, right? But second, it's going to be more attractive if you are yourself or you are whatever you've designed your brand to be and your brand is itself. You know, your brand doesn't necessarily have exactly the same personality as you, but your brand should have its own personality and feel and, and story. Right. And you should stick with that story regardless of who you're talking to, just like you said at the beginning of this interview. Yeah, totally. Well, and to kind of speak to that follow up question you had around language changes, right? Like, so like I I speak two languages and they're both incredibly different. The way sentences are structured, the different meetings, like in in English, there's a lot of sarcasm that you can maybe get away with, Mm -hmm. although generally sarcasm could be offensive just to most most people and cultures to be honest but there's different tones and styles that you need to understand works in different languages so you shouldn't apply 100 percent of the same messaging strategies inside of say like korean which is what i speak or japanese or french you know so, so you it's mean understanding i shouldn't just google translate my entire website no and oftentimes <laughs> it can be like th- there's some there's some word <laughs> word translations it's it, there's a lot of craziness that can happen so so don't lean on to that and 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 understand the different yeah just the different slang or adjustments in in language mm-hmm. that is important so i think that that actually really speaks to the the underlying question that a lot of people have when they reach out and they send me an email and they say i speak german and english you know german is my native language but there's like a much larger potential market in the english market so i'm thinking i should build my brand in english even though it's my second language and i don't speak it as well and you know 
thinking about just all of the it, like language isn't just grammar language is also culture and so that is part of why I almost always recommend to people that they should go with their native language unless they are like fluent, incredibly fluent, like native language, native speaker fluent in the other language. Because even if you can most like get by in the other language, you're not going to be as attractive. You're not going to be as eloquent. You're not going to connect with people or communicate with people nearly as well. And that is going to really put you at a disadvantage. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate to say, but but to be honest, like sometimes if your English, for example, if, if English is your second language and your English is not as good, you may speak slow, sometimes people don't take you as seriously or professionally. Mm -hmm. And so it's mm -hmm. uh, it's being real with yourself to be like, is my English or is my, my German, if German, you know, is the market you're going to, am I fluent enough, proficient enough that I can be taken seriously? And that's, that's just kind of... Yeah. Yeah, and it's a subconscious thing that that native speakers have. But if you speak slower, it kind of, unfortunately, like I experience this all the time learning my second language is like, like people don't take you as seriously. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot more effort to build up that no love trust factor. Yeah. And so it's, I just really, the reason I give people this advice is because I want them to do as well as they can. And they're going to be so much more successful if they can be in a market where they can be like the best version of themselves, where they can sound like the best version of themselves and they can sound like the expert that they are rather than putting themselves in a position where they have this hindrance. And at the end of the day, it's just it's going to be so much better for them to be that big fish in that smaller pond than to try to be a tiny fish in the giant English pond. Because uh, yeah, Yes, like English, the English language market is a bigger market, but it's also a way more competitive market, a place where you can just get drowned completely, unlike a smaller market where you can really stand out. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dallin, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today and for everything that you shared with us in the Startup Society Action Plan as well. Just so much guidance, so much wisdom that you've given to our Startup Society members. And I know that creating a brand story, as you've described and taught us, can have such a big impact on their businesses. So to everyone who's listening right now, if you haven't already checked out Dallin's Action Plan, please do because it is a wealth of resources and knowledge for you. Thank you, Dallin, so much for joining us today for of course. the show and for everything that you shared with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com slash podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action. Oh,